You're now listening to the Boys in the Booth podcast with your hosts, Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. New episodes every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Good evening and welcome to episode 120 of the Boys in the Booth podcast. Cody Abrams and Melbourne with you as always. The trade deadline has come and gone. We hope you enjoyed our episode breaking down all the big deals on deadline day. About 20 games or less to go in the season now. uh, Five weeks from today, I think, guys, until the postseason. Can't wait. Uh, We're uh, division revisiting of our rankings continues with the metropolitan division so before we get into all that how we doing doing good harp you know the more things get loosened and the better the weather gets uh, the more busy i'm becoming and it's certainly taken a little bit of a toll on me i'm exhausted right now so gotta power through this one but it's uh it's one of those good bad things or bad good things yeah either way works uh, I'm also exhausted right now, but for different reasons. I was up last night until like three o'clock finishing a final take home test for one of my classes. So I'm officially done one of five law school classes, which is great news because that means I only have four left. And uh, of course, you know, put it to the last minute because that's what we procrastinators and perfectionists do. So I was up late and, and that's what happened. So today has just been a wasted day for me. And I was just looking forward to this episode because I took the time to listen to our previous episode on this. And guys, it was it was way off, but we're going to get into that. So overall, in in a decent mood, but I'll be better tomorrow after uh, I catch up on some sleep. Harp, how you doing? I'm good. I'm tired too. Uh, you know, it's Monday, but a good weekend. Went to the uh, Senators and Panthers game, and uh, I got to tell you, that is the biggest crowd I've seen at the Canadian Tire Center all season. And what a great game it was. Florida comes back, of course, and wins in a shootout. Um, so that was a great game. And, if, and before you uh, move on from that too, I had, I wanted to share one stat with you guys, because if I don't share it now, I'll forget it. I was looking at this randomly today. Florida is the only team in the league right now that when trailing after two periods has come back eight times. And when leading after two periods, they're the only team who has not, uh, what is it? Oh my God, this is brutal. When leading after two periods, sorry, they have not lost. So both ways, they're number one in terms of points percentage after trailing and winning. Uh, Or trailing and I am fucking up this stat, guys. After trailing (laughs) after two periods and after leading after two periods, they lead and win percentage in both cases. So they come back more than anyone else and they haven't had any comebacks on them. Holy, it's a Monday, boys. My loopy tiredness did not help there. (laughs) My loopy tiredness didn't. Um, pretty crazy that that's the biggest crowd you've seen hard considering like in the last 10 years, they're probably on average the two lowest attendance in the league. Mm-hmm. So it's funny that uh, combined there, they blow up. <laughs> and one more thing I want to say, Chad, you're up till 3 a.m. last night. Well, I did uh, the same thing last Wednesday, I think it was because I was working on our custom roster so you can download uh the boys in the booth roster on xbox and uh chad you put some great graphics together of those ratings changes uh for the atlantic the metro and the pacific division so far so you can check that out on our instagram and was late to work the next day (laughs) okay we're gonna need to edit that out Anyway, all right, boys, let's get into it. Uh, We'll kick it off with a little fantasy corner, and uh, there's not really much for me to say because, Case, I was up against you last week, and I lost. Yeah, just absolutely slaughtered him, I think, like by 80 points or something like that. What's new? I think second most points in the league. Got me up into a playoff spot, and the race is on here. I think uh, the two ways that I'm guaranteed to be in the playoffs now is if I win, I'm guaranteed in and I could actually finish in fifth place. Um, and if I lose, then if uh, LVB or Remy lose, I'm in. So yeah. 
I, I was taking a look at that today. It's going to be tight. And right now, only the top four teams in our league have clinched a playoff spot. So that means that ball to the wall, bros before Ajos, that's UK's, Will Nye the Science Guy, Barkov's Beauties, and the Bacchus Door Bandits all have a shot and a legitimate shot at making the playoffs. And even though Bacchus Door Bandits are sitting in ninth place right now, they, they have an equally good opportunity to make the playoffs so it is gonna be like i'm so excited to see how it shakes out guys and uh for me last week i went up against the arizona blackhawks which is my brother-in-law cameron one of the worst teams in the league but boy did he have a week guys and he was projected to beat me by about 20 points all week and uh never a doubt um you know in in my team even though there were many doubts throughout the week um i came back and i beat him and it was all because I messaged the group chat on Sunday and I said, hey, Case, who's going to win between New Jersey and whoever? Because I was looking at, uh, and Montreal, because I was looking at John Gillies to pick up as a goaltender to get me some extra points. Well, he won and that was fine. But thank God I didn't pick him up because instead I picked up Jakob Vrana, who got 11 points in a 11-2 loss. So on the two goals that they scored, he got 11 points on that. And then Mitch Marner and Morgan Riley also went off for me that night. I got roughly 60 points in one night, and uh, I came back and beat the Arizona Blackhawks. Yeah, Chad, John Gillies didn't play. The Devils have such little confidence in him that they've played Nico Dawes on back-to-back games twice last week. That's that's tough. When I was looking at uh, left wing lock, they project who the starter is going to be. It was John Gillies, but it wasn't confirmed. Yeah, because they played two back to back games last week and they played Dawes in both the two and then on Saturday. So you're like, oh, well, they have to play John Gillies on Sunday. No, let's go with the 20 year old again because we have no faith in John Gillies. That's crazy. Yeah, that's that's tough. Oh, it worked. Yeah, there you go. It worked. Jeez. Chad, you mentioned uh, the the playoff race there. Did you want to do a, a run through of sort of the top half of the standings or, or how did you want to do it? Sure. Considering this is the last week of the regular season, I'll do the full standings uh, all the way through. So, OK, at number one, it's me, the multiple scoregasms. Number two, the Danbury Trashers. That's Dylan. Number three, the Meatheads. They've had a, a bit of a fall from grace. That's Luke Sheridan. Number four, Hattrick Swayze. That's your brother, the better Cody in the family. Number five, ball to the wall. That's former guest on the pod, Alan Atmansky, having a good season. Number six, uh, that's our co-host, Bros Before Ahos. He did mention that he might be able to finish in fifth place when it's all said and done. Will Nye, the science guy. That's my buddy, Remy. He sits in seventh. Bark Cuffs Beauties, that's Casey's boss, LVB. He's having a good season, looking to get into the postseason uh, and, and stay in that eighth spot. Back is Door Bandits, uh, that's Taylor Prosser in ninth. Tenth and uh, eliminated from the playoffs, most likely. I, I think it is official that he is eliminated from the playoffs. I'd have to check that. The Tampa Bay Three-Peats, that's Nate Ganyu. Number 11, that is the worst of the Cody brothers. Harper, that's you. Uh, the 2021 Pepsi Cup scoring champ. Number 12, Arizona Blackhawks. I already mentioned that's my brother-in-law, Cameron Murray. 13, the mail order brides and still hoping to get into a playoff spot, even though he's been statistically eliminated for months now. That's Corey Morrell. And fourth and uh, or 14th and very last in the entire league. That's the Horny Town only fans. That's Brandon Irving, and he's been locked out of his account since week three. And I play him this week. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There we go. Uh, so let's get into uh, taking another look at the Metropolitan Division, guys. A, uh, a, a tough division, and uh, man, we were, we were off on this one. So uh, I'm going to bring up our original rankings first, and then we'll just we'll go through uh, each of those teams uh, in order of how we originally had them at the start of the season. And uh, and then we'll uh, we'll tell you where they are uh, now currently in the in the standings. So, uh, all right. We had the Islanders at one Carolina in second spot, Washington at three, Philadelphia in fourth, Pittsburgh in fifth, the Devils in sixth spot in seventh, the New York Rangers and then in eighth spot, the Columbus Blue Jackets. So, guys, let's start with the New York Islanders. We had them at one. 
two uh, Final Four appearances, but it's been a rough year on the island. Currently sixth in the Metropolitan Division, uh, 65 points in 64 games. Case, the Islanders. Yeah, look, listening back to this episode is like one of the worst times I've ever felt about my hockey opinion ever because I was just so wrong on my individual rankings. And then collectively, we were also terrible because we all thought the Islanders were going to be number one. And you want to know, I think it is. It's like the gambling mentality of like, well, I've gone red three times in a row and I've been wrong every time. So this one's got to be I got to go black here, whatever you want to say, because every year we dump on the Islanders system. We hate that they can't score any goals and they just play defense all the time. And I think this time we finally just gave in to the the last three years of how it's gone. And we said, OK, the Islanders are good. We like the system. It works. We love their goaltending tandem. We love their top defensive pairing. We love the depth of this team, adding guys like Parisi and getting Chara and, uh, you know, Paul Mary's back the whole year. We had so a lot of positives. So we just felt we had to put them at first because they made a good run in the playoffs, I guess. But I know we put them at one, but all things said and done, we did say that they're the opposite of the Leafs. It's like questionable if they're going to make the playoffs, but if they do, they're going deep. And that's what we said. And while they're not making the playoffs and so they will not be going deep. (laughs) Yeah. The the tricky thing about the Islanders coming into this season is that they played their first like 20 some odd games on the road. Like 13, it, 13 game road yeah. trip season. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. I boosted it a little bit there, but that's not fun for anyone. They had a horrendous start to the season. And as of late, they've been playing some pretty good hockey. They've been winning a, you know, a decent amount of games, but the playoff picture is, is done right now, which is too bad. But I think the Islanders will come back and be relevant again next year. I think this is just kind of a wash for them. And I think they recognize that the fact that they didn't really sell at the deadline and, and, you know, I think think they're confident in, in the group that they have so and and their system and their goalies as well so you know i think they'll be relevant next year but yeah first place we were like this was an easy conversation for us when i listened back yeah. like we all agreed that first place was like easy you know to to put them there because they had just lost to tampa bay and in the playoffs and like they looked like game a, seven game seven and they looked like a juggernaut right um but the one thing that case you brought up and we did say was like listen this team excels at playoff hockey but they've never been known for scoring and that's consistent this year um in the regular season and and so we've seen that and Harp, before i pass it on to you as well about new york i just want to say that in that episode listening back i completely forgot about this they were your cup pick for this year. Yeah. Talk about getting overexcited about back-to-back Final Four appearances. I was way off on that one. But, you know, you kind of said it there, Chad. Like, they're one of those teams, and there are a few of those teams in this division that, you know, this year is just a wash for them, but they're going to be competitive next season, whether that's, you know, getting back to being uh, a playoff contender or taking the next step. And uh, it's a nice little hint for for another team we'll be talking about. But yeah, Barry Trotz is going to get another chance. Lou Lamorello is going to make his tweaks in the offseason and uh, and and they'll be fine. But uh, this year, their age has really shown they had a tough start. 13 games on the road because the new building was getting uh, put together uh, on the island. And uh, yeah, it's just been a rough year for the Islanders, but they'll be back next year. Their their age showed, but like their their main moves they've made in the last little bit are re-signing Parisi and Cal Clutterbuck. It's like, I guess, keep doing it. But to me, what where they really stumbled was the, the youth did not live up to their expectations. Like Barzell and Beauvillier, they they were no shows in the first half of the season. Now, Kyle Palmieri, no youth there anymore, but he was like, what he had like two goals in the first 40 games or something ridiculous like that. Like he was yeah. definitely struggling as well. I don't know if it's playing on the road or, or what it is for him because he just wasn't himself. And yeah, there's a few guys that were just not getting it done. Anders Lee had a tough start to the season. He's certainly turned it around now. He's got like 25 goals or something like that. So a lot of guys struggled early on and, and you know, it, it all counts. Those wins early on in the season, they matter. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Another big weakness for them, just before we move on to our next team, uh, is is the left side on their blue line. And, uh, you know, it's great having a veteran like Zidane Ochera playing with an up-and-coming right shot D and Noah Dobson, but Chara should not be playing in your top four. I mean, that's just, you know, he he's he's too old and, and uh, you know, doesn't have enough miles left for, for that. So, you know, talking about weaknesses, that is certainly one for them. But uh, yeah, you know, a tough year for the Islanders, but the, they'll be they'll be back to uh, to form next season. Uh, we're, we're sure of it. Um, all right. The uh, the Carolina Hurricanes, we had them in second and uh, currently first in this division. 93 points in 65 games. They uh, had a pretty quiet deadline. Just the one move, getting Max Domi for basically nothing, a bag of chips. and <laughs> and um, But it, it, this team is a contender. They're well coached. We know that. Uh, so let's get into Carolina. Yeah, they got Domi in stoppage time, too. I think it was two minutes left on the clock when they submitted their trade. So they they waited to the last second to, to actually do something. But I think the main reason why we are hesitant on putting Carolina at number one was they took a step back on defense, losing Dougie Hamilton and uh, bringing in Ethan Bear to replace him. And we were so hesitant on their goaltending. And it, it, how many times have we said it in the last couple of weeks? Like, you just can't put a lot of weight on goaltending, like, at all. Because, you know, we were hesitant on Anderson because he was struggling in Toronto. Uh, Rantas hurt all the time, so he wasn't, we weren't really sure how that was going to work out. Well, Anderson's like a, a Vesna caliber goalie right now and is certainly making a huge impact on this team and where they are. And first place is uh, a lot to do with him. And, we were definitely right about this team getting better on forward and uh, and deeper, that is. And uh, there's a lot of guys contributing on, on offense. So uh, they're kind of a more fun team to watch this year, in my opinion, based off like they've kind of changed uh, their image of being a, a very good decor to, to the, just a fun, high-flying hockey team. Yeah, and I think they're very balanced too. And I think, you know, looking back, not signing Dougie Hamilton, like at the time, we thought that was the worst thing they could have done because Dougie Hamilton was like, you know, a top 10 defenseman in the NHL by by all accounts and in a lot of different metrics. So, you know, not signing that player, like, you know, we kind of shook our heads and, you know, Case, obviously you were happy that he went to New Jersey, but they replaced him, like you said, with Ethan Bear and Tony D'Angelo. And I think uh, Tony D'Angelo right now has been one of their most valuable defensemen because of the offense that he's been able to produce this season at an incredibly low price tag, certainly lower than whatever Dougie makes. And, and it's comparable production from a guy who, you know, teams really, <laughs> really didn't want to touch because of the, the whole political thing with Tony D'Angelo. But he's been fantastic this year and it's really helped them. It's comparable production because Dougie Hamilton missed like 20 games because his jaw was hanging on by a thread. But <laughs> Yeah, I have him in fantasy, dude. I know all about his injuries. It's brutal. <laughs> um, but yeah, Carolina, like we, we were a bit concerned about their goaltending. Um, we shouldn't talk about goaltending in terms of uh, and it, like a team team projections because we're always wrong. Like it's hard to be right with goaltending. And, uh, you know, we'll see that later as we go through these rankings. But But yeah, guys, like we settled on number two because there were a few question marks. They're in first right now. They're they're up on Pittsburgh by three points. And, uh, you know, so I think we're we were totally right with this one, but we're pretty close. So give us a pat on the back for this one. I am going to say that there are five teams in this division that we were wrong about solely because of goaltending. Yeah. Yes. I'm going to like that's a lot for the rest. Yes, I agree. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, I, I mean, not much else to say on, on my end about the about the Hurricanes. They're fast. They're exciting. Um, you know, a, a good back end. They're well coached. And, uh, you know, even though they had a quiet deadline, again, I was a little surprised they didn't uh, do a lot to upgrade. Uh, they are certainly a contender in the East. And so um, and, and they're one of those teams, too. I think Frank Saravalli brought this up that like they've been pretty consistent all year. They had a really good start and they've kind of just been cruising along. They, you know, there hasn't really been a dip at all in, in production or anything. Um, they, they've had a really nice season. And yes, we were 
very wrong about that goalie tandem of uh, Ranta and Anderson. And we were all just like, what? When they traded <laughs> Alex Nadalkovich, yes. but it's worked out for them. And uh, losing Dougie Hamilton and bringing in Baron D'Angelo has worked out for them as well. So, And like to wrap up, Nadalkovich has not been very good this it's season. Like, it did. It's like Seattle and it's like St. Louis and every other team we've talked about. Like he's Nadalkovich has been one of the worst goal, goalies in the league. And yeah. he was a Calder candidate last year. It's like, it's, yeah, but I'm never going to look at a goalie again. It's so it's impossible. Like we should just like it's fun too because you see who's good right now. But that's how it needs to be framed. Who's good right now? That doesn't predict who's going to be good in the future, unless you're that's you right. know Vasilevsky or Hellebuck or you know those consistent guys. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we were pretty close with this next team. We had the Washington Capitals uh, in third in our uh, preseason rankings and uh, they're currently fourth in the division. So they've got uh, 84 points in 67 games, uh, five points back of third uh, or of the Rangers for third spot. And uh, you know, uh, I think the Capitals play was a, a little bit concerning before the deadline, but uh, they they've really picked it up as of late. They've been playing really well. The goaltending has been a lot better. Speaking of that, and uh, Backstrom is back going again, and uh, they look really good again. So thoughts on the Capitals? Did I think all four of our main points we talked about with the Caps we were wrong about, but <laughs> we are only one off on our, our projections in the standings, and we did almost put them higher than Carolina because we like their goaltending tandem so much. Wrong about that. How about the youth infusion that's going to come in on this team with Lapierre and uh, um, McMichael? Wrong about that. Lapierre isn't even playing, and McMichael has like 12 points in 60 games or something like that, 19 maybe. Um, so we were wrong about that. We were worried about their decor. They lost uh, Brendan Dillon, and you know it just didn't look very strong there. Well, wrong about that. Fairvery comes out of nowhere. He's sick. It's like... Everything we said about this team is off slightly. The last one being they're going to miss Backstrom for the first half of the season. Psych, Ovi scores like 60 goals in 14 games. Best doesn't start matter. of his career. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. matter if Backstrom's there. So this one is a, a, definitely a head scratcher, but you, 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 they're good. Like we yeah. knew they were good. They are good. We just didn't, it didn't play out the way we thought it was going to. Good teams find a way, and Washington is definitely one of those teams. And I remember thinking back um, and, and listening back to what we talked about uh, Washington. One of the things was, you know, they're they're in a win now window, and they might have two, maybe three years left of prime like production from some of their top players. I think that window is extended because good teams find players to play. Faravari ca- case, like you mentioned, is a great example, and Ovechkin. Like I said, had the best, literally one of the best starts of his career, if not the best points production wise. And he's 36 or whatever. Like, unbelievable. This team is good. They're going to continue to be good. We were only one off in the standings. And, uh, you know, I I think we were pretty confident in, in saying that they're a playoff team. And they are. And they're only, you know, five points back of the Rangers who have had incredible goaltending all year, and I don't think are a playoff team without that goaltending. So you could argue that Washington maybe even deserves to be in that three spot. So again, let's give ourselves a pat on the back. We're pretty close with this one. No, for sure. And you know what? I think when you look at the Capitals, they're kind of flying under the radar as a contender. You know, I I saw a few people kind of ripping them for the moves they made at the deadline, bringing back Johansson and bringing uh, uh, Johan Larson from from Arizona as well. But, uh, you know, I I like the Capitals. They did it back in 2018 where they got over the hump against Pittsburgh and then they just rolled on from there. And I think that they are a team that, if they can just win a round like the opening round and kind of get their confidence going and get rolling that they could go back and do it again. So let's not I forget like, that I have these guys. Sorry to cut you off here. That's I okay. have these guys as a future to win the conference. So Oh, do you? Yeah. Have you seen Nice. Have you guys seen their record with and without Mantha this season? It's no. It's incredible. I saw it the other day just randomly, and I wish I like I should have pulled it up for this, but essentially without Mantha, they're roughly a 500 team. And with Mantha, they're like one of the best in the league, which is weird because like, you know, you look back on that trade and, and I think we can all say that 
you know, like Washington probably lost that trade because Verana is a really, really good player. Plus, there were two picks uh, going that way. Yeah. But I, I'm just laughing because I'm thinking back to that trade. I think both teams won that trade. They're both they better off. Yeah, <laughs> they did. But yeah. I guess I guess that extra 250 pounds really helps Washington win some hockey games. Yeah, really? Yeah. No, exactly. And another guy to mention, I, I'm pretty sure he has the best plus minus in the NHL this season. That's Nick Jensen. Like you talk about the back end and how concerned we were about that. Fiervari, like you mentioned, Case, real nice player for Washington, playing with John Carlson, uh, a, a young defender. And then Jensen, who, you know, we were kind of looking at and like, you know, that four year contract at two million plus doesn't look too good he's had a really nice bounce back season as well and uh you know is a big part of his team yeah thanks for bringing that up because i ripped on him in the uh on the previous episode so <laughs> i said he's not the nick jensen that we're used to seeing in the in the preseason and i'm i'm not looking forward to his season so also plus minus great stat wow really really <laughs> dug for that one <laughs> really useful <laughs> I'm just uh, I'm just bugging No, out. I know, I know. Um okay, next team and uh oh boy, it's uh it, it it's been a rough season for these guys. The Philadelphia Flyers. So, uh currently 7th in the division, actually tied with New Jersey for for last spot in the in the Metro, uh 53 points in 66 games and we picked them to be fourth in this division before the start of the season now they made some nice moves in the offseason i think injuries have certainly uh played a role in how awful their year has been couturier and ryan ellis uh the two most notable names out of the lineup man it's been a tough season for the flyers case yeah, like where do you start? I, I guess we had this team higher because we thought this was, you know, the last year for their core or maybe last second last year. So we thought they'd make a really hard push. They did do a lot in the offseason to to try to get better, at least on the D core. And uh, it didn't really work out. And like you said, injuries really hurt this team. And goaltending once again carter hart beginning of this season was pitiful so that certainly didn't help the flyers case here and um i think it's the start of them being the worst team in this division for the next five years in my opinion like i don't see a lot of positives for this team yeah they're they're kind of on the wrong side of of where you want to be if you're going to contend in this division which is like pretty tight top to bottom i mean like that was something we brought up at, at in our first conversation about this, how the division is pretty tight, like whether it's good or bad, it's tight throughout. So not a great position to be in for the Flyers right now. Um, something I mentioned in that episode when we first talked about it was that the Flyers allowed um, the most goals against in the NHL last season. So when we talked about the moves that they made on D, you know, bringing in Ristolainen and and shaking up that whole core, really all we could think was, well, it can't be the worst in the NHL, right? Like if you're if you're making a change, it's going to be better than worst in the NHL. And you know, so far it has been. They're about their eighth worst right now in terms of goals against. So there is a minor improvement there. But the Flyers in fourth place again. I remember saying that like. You know, they miss the playoffs one year and then they make the playoffs the final the next year and then they miss and then they make and they've been doing that for the longest time. And it's funny if you actually look back on it, like it, it's a it's a weird pattern for this team. So that was another reason. Like I remember saying, you know, like the Flyers can make the playoffs because they didn't last year and, you know, kind of a weak argument. But <laughs> it's it's funny looking back. Uh, I do want to say I, I had the Flyers at sixth in my rankings and, and I was I was convinced to put them fourth. Um, but either way, like we we're still a bit disappointed by how they performed this season. And again, case it, it's another team. You talk about goaltending that kind of skews the whole thing. And it, it really has this season and talking about Giroux as well. And we all know we got traded to Florida. That made me sad listening back to that, you know, thinking this could be the last shot that they have as a group to get this done. And like now that shot is gone. They blew it. Giroux played his thousandth game there and then got shipped off to a real contender. And it's just sad because it's the downfall of 
of a good team that never really got over the hump and and that's scary for a team you know it's a scary position to be in and it makes me sad yeah yeah no for sure and uh you know like we all heard bobby clark rip ron hextall and you know for some of the decisions he made and and uh, you know i think for the most part we've talked about it before like he stocked the cupboards on his way out and you know i think from bobby clark that was a move to to back chuck fletcher because obviously he's been under scrutiny all season but you know they they do have some young players that just haven't really taken the next step and it's these guys that we're kind of waiting on like a morgan frost and isaac ratcliffe you know some of these guys that were we're still waiting on it it feels like they've been around for a while so honestly i could see philadelphia getting the first overall pick and i think it'd be really good for this franchise to kind of pump some new life into them yeah it's a it's tough to think back to saying maybe four years ago, we're saying that Philadelphia has the best prospect pool in the league. You know, the athletic was saying that we were saying that everyone kind of agreed on it. It was like them in Minnesota. Well, look at Minnesota now and or L.A., those three teams. Uh, look at L.A. and Minnesota. Look at what their youth are doing for them. And now look at Philadelphia. And it's like they're they're in the the basement right now and i wouldn't say that their prospect pool is that good anymore so it's it's a scary position for sure no yeah. definitely now owen Tippett looks good early on sorry chad and uh cam york has looked pretty good on the back end this season uh one guy i wanted to mention as well not really a prospect but uh just a great story is hayden hodgson who got a goal and an assist in his first nhl game in st louis and uh got into a fight i think the night after against tanner Janot, by the way who he's been compared to uh because he was in the echl before played for six different east coast hockey league teams and uh and got a shot in the nhl so a nice little story for the flyers just wanted to mention that quickly chad sorry you wanted to jump in there yeah just two things it's funny you mentioned shane Wright. like this could be a team to draft him first overall they did in the most recent franchise mode i was playing in so i thought that was kind of funny i've seen shane Wright in a flyers uniform recently in the game which is kind of cool um and also too i wanted to say that chuck fletcher like i've already said is one of the worst gms in the league like they desperately need a new general manager here to to turn this thing around because if if you are gonna seriously go through a rebuild and we've seen it with with montreal you need a new manage management group uh promote danny briere you just hired him and uh make him your uh your full-time gm he's been interviewed other places montreal and arizona and uh former player a great one at that i think he'd be great just a, a young, fresh voice for that organization. Anyway, we'll see. Um, but I think it's safe to say, guys, that like the next couple of years um, could be uh, could be more of the same for the Flyers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to the Pittsburgh Penguins, and uh, I, I'm probably the most guilty out of the three of us for being way too critical of the penguins and counting them out. It it is stupid. I do it. I've done it for the past three years <laughs> and I just, I don't know why I am done counting out this team. Second place in the division currently uh, three points back of first place. They had that 11 to uh, pounding against the Detroit Red Wings, 90 points in 67 games. Uh, the, the the Penguins are poised to go on a big playoff run. They they look like a, a Stanley <clears throat> Cup contender right now. Let's talk about the Penguins. Well, Harp, you're about eight months behind Chad on that realization of do not count the Penguins out because I know that was Chad's mentality. He was like, I'm sick of saying they they're done, like their core is over. It's it's too old whatever because chat adam and fourth i remember from the episode and uh yeah it's like don't count these guys out ever but let's talk about goaltending <laughs> another team that we saw how bad their goaltending was last year and we were like i don't know how this team can be good with that tandem again well yari's sick again he's a good goalie <laughs> it's like yeah. you just can't make this shit up with goaltending so um 
yeah, stop relying on goaltending for your picks. That's my realization. And yeah, the Penguins just got better. They added Rick Hell. Like that sneaky good move. Goal and two assists playing alongside of Malkin the other night. It's like, yeah, don't count this team out. They're very good. They're very deep. They turn guys into gold every single year, and now they have goaltending. So it's like, what do you do? Yeah. Yeah. Good teams find guys to play and make them good. Like we've been saying this about Washington and Pittsburgh for so long. It's like we just have to accept it now. They're just going to find guys who are going to be good. Like Case, I remember like I can't remember exactly when this was probably multiple times on the podcast. You bringing up like, you know, jokingly. Oh, yeah. You know. Teddy Fluger over to, to Rich <laughs> Booger and like it's that's the Penguins fourth line yeah. and oh yeah they're both on pace for 30 goals <laughs> yeah. it's like they just and find exhibit, guys exhibit A this year is Evan Rodriguez yeah yep yeah. Like, every single year I, at least we knew who Evan Rodriguez was because you know Toronto Leafs but legend, like yeah yeah least legend but like Sabres. every single year Chad it's I don't what did you say Anyways, he was uh, he was a saber too. <laughs> yeah, sorry, just, case continue. <laughs> sabers didn't process in my head as <laughs> relevant for some reason. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, it's like you said, Chad. It's like over to Ronnie Johnson, and yeah. Johnson passes over to Fluger, and yeah, yeah. it's you watch a pe- Penguins game, you're like, I don't know who half the team is, but boy, are they good. Yeah. And I remember in that episode, guys, when we talked about like these rankings, I remember being pissed off because prior to that season, like in the playoffs, I picked a bunch of guys from Pittsburgh. Like I picked Crosby, Latang, and I'm pretty sure Gensel as well on my fantasy team, like just a just a playoff pool that I did with uh, some friends. And because I was expecting them to go deep because they're a really good playoff team. But they didn't get goaltending. You remember Tristan Jari floated one up the middle of the ice, turned it over, and then they scored on essentially an empty net, and that was the end of the Penguins that year. But I, I've been saying since then, that was the turning point for me, and maybe this will be the turning point for Harp today, that if the Penguins get average goaltending, they're a dominant team. They finished fifth in the NHL last season, and this year, right now, let me just check, they're probably right up there as well. In terms of like overall, they're fourth right now with 90 points in the NHL. And Tristan Jari has been one of the best goaltenders in the NHL, which again, like came out of nowhere because he was so bad last season. But right now he's ranked seventh in the NHL in goal saved above expected, my favorite and least favorite stats. So the Penguins are are able to get it done, guys. And again, like come playoff time, we can't count these guys out like whoever plays them in the first round it's looking like it'll likely be new york or washington wouldn't washington be fun by the way another series of those two but whoever plays them like it's gonna be a hard-fought series if this team gets goaltending and i think you know they they will well you know the everyone in that organization realizes that this may be their last kick at the can with this group like malkin and Latang. their contracts are up at the end of the year i want to talk about Latang for a second because you know you've got the big four being considered for the norris trophy yossi mccarr headman and um oh my god who's the fourth adam fox sorry but the fifth guy i would say it, who kind of has an outside shot at it would be Latang. He is having an unbelievable season for the Penguins. And with the goaltending, I don't think it's just Jari. I think they have a really solid battery. Casey DeSmith has been good as well. Yeah, that's not what the stats say. But DeSmith is is a, a decent goalie, and he can be big at certain times. The The one thing I wanted to say about this team though is that they currently have four guys who are scoring at over a point per game pace and chris letang while having an incredible season isn't even one of those guys he's scoring at a 0.89 point per game pace and actually case talking about guys that you know we we made up in in franchise mode uh valtteri pushton uh is also a point per game for the penguins and uh but he's only played one game so they technically have five guys at a point per game right now which is absurd <laughs> It's absurd. <laughs> sure, I'm not going to count that fifth guy whatsoever, but <laughs> uh. yeah, it, 
I don't know. We we say we've talked about the end of this core for so long that I'm starting to think it's a myth. And you know, <laughs> why would Malkin care where he goes? He's barely cared about learning English. I think he's fine with sticking around in Pittsburgh. And I think I've heard him say that he's not that interested in money next year, anyway. So um, we'll see what, what the core decides to do. But uh, it's like became one of those conversations. That I'm like, I don't even know if I'm gonna listen anymore because it, it feels like a broken record. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All righty, let's move on to our next team, and it is none other than the New Jersey Devils. So we had them in sixth uh, before the start of the season, and uh, it's it's been a rough year in uh, in Jersey. Uh, Fifty three points in sixty six games, again tied with Philly for last in the division. Uh, they're going to have another high draft pick this year. Jack Hughes turning into a star in front of our eyes. Jesper Bratt has had an unbelievable season for these guys as well Dawson Mercer uh, a uh, you know um, outside shot at the Calder Trophy so the Devils I think we talked about the Islanders a one-off season I think it's it's that for the Devils case and you know there'll be a team next year that could get into a playoff spot and really take that next step um, like we thought they would this year. So uh, let's uh, let's start with you, obviously, with the Devils. Let's talk about goaltending. <laughs> <laughs> this team, man, like they're cursed for bringing in goalies. They bring in Crawford. He retires before the season starts. They bring in Bernier. He gets a handful of games in and then has season-ending injury. Uh, Blackwood, you know, he has an incredible season, battles injury, comes back more injuries like right when you thought he was going to be good uh so he's missed most of the year for a while there they're running with a tandem of a 20 year old and a 21 year old schmid and uh dawes then they bring in john gillies he's terrible but uh wedgwood that is such a weird thing that keeps happening like let's not bring him back anymore <laughs> it's, it's the michael terrible. hutchinson of new jersey by the way 100 percent. and then every time you trade him he plays the best game of his life um but i think they're 31st in team save percentage which is the crux of this team and then there's injury like jack hughes missing uh i think it was like 20 games for with his shoulder injury or 15 or whatever it is he came back and is now like one of the best players in the league, um, at least playing like it. Uh, Dougie Hamilton missing 20 games with a broken jaw. He sure's been out. They just got Miles Wood for the first game of the season last year. I know a lot of people laugh at Miles Wood like when I say that's a big piece, but he's so much more important to that team than you think he is. He's a huge leadership presence. Jack Hughes said it was finally a sense of normalcy because Miles Wood was back. And this guy, he had tw- he was the 25th most goals off the rush the last three years. Um, and I think it was like 45 on Ozo- ozone entries and like uh, chances off the rush. He really is a workhorse, hits like crazy, and is one of the fastest guys in the league, it was like, uh, despite his size. So they finally got him back. There's just been countless, countless injuries, and then goaltending has been god-awful. I do not understand how Mark Recchi still has a job as the power play coach because that power play has almost given up more shorthanded goals than scored power play goals. <laughs> it makes me sick. I actually wish they would decline penalties. Like, it's brutal. Every Every time I see a penalty drawn, I'm like, Oh no! Oh God! Oh yeah, the, the they're two, better at five on five than on the power play. They are the two shorthanded goals that the Leafs scored against them the other night must have been tough. Like I could just watch it. Like they couldn't get into the zone, and then when they did, they turned it over, and it it really felt like Jack Hughes would carry the puck, enter the zone, look for a guy, and have no success in that and so clearly there's some discombobulation with with the power play and they'll figure that out they've got some good players but you know thinking back to our talk about new jersey case you had them in fourth uh might have been a little new jersey bias there in your individual rankings like i think they'll be there next year It, it was just a like if they if they had the rangers goaltending they'd be in the spot the rangers are in right now they've scored more goals per game than the rangers and i think they are better on the penalty kill and it's like if they had shesterkin they're in third place 
I agree. I think if Arizona had Shesterkin, they're also a cup contender because he's that good this no. season. <laughs> but slow down. Okay, I'm I'm just teasing you a bit. I think uh. the Devils are really good. Um, you know, and they're going to be good in the future, but they're just not quite there yet because of all the things you just mentioned. A lot of injuries, uh, a lot of bad luck throughout the course of the year. But thinking back to our conversation, I know we talked about the fact that um, you know. A lot of things had to go right for the Devils this year for them to be, you know, in the playoff conversation. So we talked about a lot of breakout candidates. Jack Hughes. Well, I think it's safe to say that that's happened. Not over the course of an entire season's worth of production because he's had injuries. But in terms of the last like 30 games or whatever, he's been dominant. One of the best players at at his age group, like as a 20-year-old. In, in the last like decade or whatever, like he's been extremely in the, extremely in the last good. 30 years. The only people to put up a 1.10 point per game pace in their 20 age, 20 or younger season is like, uh, I think it's Ovechkin, Crosby, Stamkos, Yager, and someone else ridiculous like that. Oh, yeah. and Jack Hughes. Yeah. So there you go. That's, that's a breakout right there. No more talk about breakout candidate, Jack Hughes. He just broke out. Okay. We talked about a few other guys, though, and, and Yoni Kokanen was one. Jesper Bratt was one. Who's He's having a really good year as well, by the way. Yeah, um, over a point per game. Exactly. Yep. So there's been like a, a lot of guys that we talked about o- over the course of, of a season who have to break out, and a few of them did, a few of them didn't. So that, that was sort of the main point. It's like a lot of things have to go right for this Devils team who is on the, the very end of their rebuild and are looking to contend. That's why they got Dougie Hamilton. That's why they solidified goaltending and got Jonathan Bernier. Um, but not everything went right. In fact, a lot no. of things went wrong. So yeah. that's why they're in the position they are. Next year, though, I I, I don't know if, if I want to say this yet, but Case, I think I would be confident putting them in, in the fourth spot in this division next year. But I, my my mind might change. Like. Uh, uh, well, I'm trying to lower expectations because I feel like I'm excited every year. But next year, man, they've got the best AHL team in the in the league. Um, like it's going to be a bloodbath come time of uh, training camp because there's so yep. many guys who are just trying to make this team, and it's a logjam on forward with with like skilled young guys like Fabian Zetterlund and Alex Holtz and uh, Nolan Foot, Tyce Thompson. All these guys are fighting for like two spots, and it's uh it's gonna be exciting to watch. And they yeah, they're only gonna get better. I know they're absolute dog shit this year. I, <laughs> I was definitely off the mark, but I thought Mackenzie Blackwood would be Mackenzie Blackwood again, and and things would be all uh, hunky dory, but didn't really work out so case i uh, i listened to ken donico last week on uh, on sportsnet and um he i i really enjoyed listening to him and he just kind of said a, a few things to sum up the devils that you know it's just been like injuries and just you know nothing has gone right like we said but nico dawes looks like an nhl goaltender right now jack hughes is becoming a star like we said um, and, and, and Nico Heischer as well. We haven't really talked about the captain, but his two-way game is really coming along. And this is a guy who could be a future Selkie trophy winner as well. And, and sure. is a big, and is a big part of this team. So, um, they're, they're going to be in it next year. And, uh, case one more question I have for you. Do you think Mackenzie Blackwood is your number one goaltender next season? Um, it's, there's been a lot of talk that it's not the case. Um, but I think it's so hard to get a goalie that you got to run with them in uh, at least half first half of the season, first chunk of the season. I don't know if they're going to be able to pick up anyone in the off season. Um, but hopefully Bernier's healthy by then. And then you do have like a one, two, three punch there with Dawes and even Akira Schmidt is like a a year or two away from being an an NHL backup goalie. So um, there's a lot of competition there. And I think Mackenzie's got one more year. So I think he is around next year. And and then a decision has got to be made on that front for sure. Yeah. Dawes looks good. Uh, That's, that's for sure. So uh, thank goodness for that. Uh, All right. Moving on from the devils to the New York Rangers. We had them in uh, seventh uh, before the season started. 
And uh, man, they're they're a good hockey team. Again, you know the goaltending. We keep talking about it. That's a big factor. Igor Shosturkin has been unbelievable. Uh, they've got eighty six points or eighty nine points, excuse me, in sixty six games. They made a couple of big additions uh, at the deadline, bringing in Andrew Kopp, uh, Tyler Mott, and Justin Braun. Um, Frank Vetrano looks really good as well, guys. They picked him up just before the deadline, scored two goals in uh, in their win against the Sabres last night. Uh, so what do we think of the Rangers? I am going to live and die with the thought that they are only here because of their goaltending. I, I really think that they'd be battling. They'd be in the fifth spot if it wasn't for Shesterkin, for sure. I, I don't have a lot to love about the team but i don't really have a lot to hate about the team they do kind of struggle scoring considering who they have on their team um but it's just a weird mix with them and they seem to not know how to develop young guys either and uh it's really showing but you know i think they are deeper and and probably better after the deadline so maybe they will make a good little push here as long as shesterkin keeps what they're doing but i don't know i i really think without shesterkin this this team is you know on the edge of a playoff spot i i completely agree and i've been saying this for a long time we all have because shesterkin's been so good this season even though you know i've got a nice rangers t-shirt behind me there from goodwill it was like two bucks but uh the one thing that like just makes no sense to me about the rangers is that they don't play their young stars at all still even after a coaching change so i remember like when we talked about this the thing i said and i was a bit more optimistic i think on the rangers than than you guys might have been or you know we're at least kind of close and i i said like they're not that bad of a team, but like they have to develop these guys because we're not sure if they're going to be better coming into this season, but we do know that they're going to be older and older for these young, talented players like Capocacco and like Alex Lafreniere is usually a good thing, right? But in New York, like you said, Case, it hasn't been a good thing because they don't really know how to develop their players. Last season, Alex Lafreniere was playing roughly 13 minutes a night um, for, for this team. This season, he's playing just shy of 14 minutes a night, guys. Like, this is a talented player. You need to play in your top six, and it's not happening. He's playing third-line minutes. And same with a guy like Capo Caco. He's playing 16 minutes a night. And both of those guys are hardly getting any power play time. So, like, to me, I think they they have a decent team on paper. I don't think they're a good playoff team without Shesterkin, but I don't think they're terrible either. I think they're about middle of the pack. but like i don't even know now next season if i'm thinking about my projections for next season where i would put them because if they don't play lafreniere or caco or any of other of their difference makers and they continue to play i mean chris Kreider, he's been fantastic this year but if they can continue to play you know those top two lines without those guys then i just i just don't really know what to expect of this team if they got average goaltending because you can't expect Shesterkin to be that good next season he's having the best season in the history of the goal saved above expected stat right now they started tracking in 2007 like it's it's unbelievable yeah it it really is and I also just can't see Chris Kreider living up to this next year as well so it's like he's such a big piece of where they are this season with 44 goals it's like I don't I just don't see that being a thing again next year he's he's having a huge season but that's a long-term contract and it's only going to get worse with (laughs) with age that's for sure so you know they certainly lean on the goalie as we know i said it last night like alex gorgiev has been god awful for this hockey team and i don't think he's with them after this season Uh, i think there's been some issues there with uh with him but you know, they obviously lean on the number one goalie. They lean on the number one defenseman, Panarin, Zabanajad, and Kreider. And then it's, you know, it's just everybody else from there. They went out and they and they got some toughness, but it's kind of worked. Like with, with Goudreau and, and bringing in Tyler Mott at the deadline. And Jacob Truba just, you know, it seems like he's just been doing nothing but pounding the crap out of guys all year it seems like he's you know 
Yeah, it's it, it, like you see highlights of them with these big open ice hits every week, it seems like. They're a good team, no question. I, I like how they, you know, they took a big swing and brought in Andrew Cobb. I, I still can't believe they gave up Pavel Buchnevich. I, I, I don't understand that at all, but you know what? They, the moves that they made have, have worked. Um, it, it's certainly too bad that they're not using some of their, their young uh, high draft picks a little bit more, but they're a good team, and Shesterkin certainly is capable of stealing a round or two for these guys. If they can figure out these young guys, you know, Lungfist and uh, Miller on top of the two we've already mentioned and a handful of others, it's like this Hudson River rivalry is going to be a lot of fun to watch over the next five to ten years. It's it's exciting, but yeah. it's going to cause a lot of stress for me. Yeah, no kidding. And Harp, last last point on this, you mentioned the Buchnevich trade for Sammy Blay. Like, that seems like a trade you make if you're making room in the top six for Alex Lafreniere, doesn't it? But then yep. they didn't. So, like, to me, that makes zero sense. And also, Case, to your point about Kreider, um, you know, inevitably regressing next season to what his, his you know, career pace is, that's obviously going to happen. Um, 22 of his 44 goals this season are on the power play. That's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. That, that's Half. hard to keep up for sure. Um, <laughs> last thing exactly I want to say. That's wild. Last thing I want to say about the Rangers before we move on here and, and just plow through this last team yeah. is, um, yeah, you know, I think that Capo Caco is uh, more NHL ready and maybe even have a higher ceiling. And uh, he's been playing against men the last few years. So I think he's going to be better than Jack Hughes. Yeah. How'd that work out for you, comment warriors? You. <laughs> idiots <laughs> there, is, there's is some he, hate there <laughs> does he is it too soon to give him that bust label yes uh, it's a really nice city <laughs> yes it's too soon because he doesn't play he needs to be put in favorable positions like i'd like to see his like to see the quality of competition he plays against i'd like to see his offensive and defensive zone starts and things like that and make a true like and do a true analysis on the player but just looking at time on ice like he doesn't play enough to to say that he's a bust he hasn't been given a a fair opportunity and same with Lafreniere Mm -hmm. I think one last thing I think that is due in large part to um the way the hockey operations are are ran now because the owner James Dolan got a little impatient right and axed gordon and davidson and then drury came in and made a whole bunch of moves and so that just slides down lafreniere and capo uh caco even more so i think if they stayed with the previous regime it might be a different conversation but they're a good hockey team and again Shesterkin could steal a round or two for them for sure regardless of capo caco is a bust or not i don't think he is he's just not even on the same stratosphere as jack hughes oh god no i I just had to make that comment to to look back at all the the amount of times i was pulling hair out reading comments back near that draft and and the last two years on top of that so it's just uh, me getting a little bit of revenge uh, versus any one of the jackasses that thinks capo caco is better or can be better (laughs) the cack no that that that's all good the uh yeah no he he's not even close to uh to to jack hughes that's for sure okay last team and uh and then we're done the columbus blue jackets our good pal Corey morrell his team saw them a couple of weeks ago uh they got the job done a, a win in uh in ottawa um you know they're they're certainly a hard-working team uh patrick line has been red hot for them i think uh you know it's almost a given at this point like if you're Yarmo Kekalainen and company you have to pay this guy long term to uh to be a part of your core moving forward um you know again they work hard every night uh but just not a great year for the for the Blue Jackets really up and down next year they could be that team to you know grind their way into a a playoff spot but uh what do we think about the blue jackets this season yeah kind of you know we didn't expect them to be in a playoff spot but i'd say that this year is certainly a positive for the columbus blue jackets because they've been so much fun to watch and probably out of 
maybe maybe less than arizona but one of the teams that's having the most fun playing spoiler right now is the columbus blue jackets and they're going to keep doing that because they can really grind and find ways to win hockey games um yeah there's a lot to be excited about there i think at the beginning of the year they're the youngest team in the league they may still be i'm not 100 percent sure the devils might have taken that title from them but um yeah it's it's a the right step towards a good future for Columbus. Definitely. See, for me with Columbus, like we, we predicted them to be very last in the division. And right now, you know, they're not battling for a playoff spot, but they're in fifth spot. You know, they're, they've got 69 points to Washington's 84. So, and we've known that the top eight in the East have been set for a while now, but Columbus is sort of on the outside looking in right in the middle. And I just kind of worry a bit, like if that's where they really want to be, because I feel like, you know, if you're Columbus, shouldn't you be focusing on maybe stocking the cupboards for another year or two? And then sort of going through that that accelerated retool to become relevant again. Like I'm just not sure Columbus grinding and competing right now is a good thing. Like it, like tell me if I'm wrong, but like I think their their group is fine, and I think their prospects are good even. But I think they could use a couple more in the next two drafts. So I'm not really sure if if I love what Columbus is doing right now, sitting in fifth spot in this division. It's all draft more draft picks is always better, but I think that they have done a good job drafting first of all. And I think that they're the opposite of the Rangers in that they've done a very good job at developing their young players into players that are actually making impacts and putting them in uh, areas to succeed and, and kind of also taking some guys that you don't necessarily expect to be, you know, they, they weren't blue chip prospects, but now they're key parts of this team. Like Andrew peak, or I never know how to spell or pronounce his last name, but he's such a key piece of this team now. And it's like, I don't really know where he came from. They, they just decided, or they found a way to develop him in a, in a, in a way that got him to where he is today. And it's like, I think that they're doing things right they have you know these these veteran presences on this team like a boon jenner and voracek and whoever else you want to throw out there bjorkstrand's like one of my favorite players he's the devil killer um they they just they, they sprinkle some rookies amongst these veterans in the league and it's worked out for them so far yep. they've, they've really developed guys in the right way no, they've got a nice mix and, and talk about a, you know, a young player who's been a really nice surprise and who has been with them the entire season. Cole Sillinger, one of their first round picks in uh, in the previous draft. They've got Kent Johnson coming and other guys. The good thing about this draft is that they have Chicago's pick and that is going to be a oh. high pick. So that is is really good for them. I think when you go on uh, Tankathon, the site where you can check the the draft lottery odds, um, yeah, I've done that a few. Of course, times, you know that site. <laughs> Chicago has the eighth best odds, and and that that pick belongs to Columbus, obviously from the from the Jones deal. So they're going to get another high pick. Wow. They've got their own pick as well. I forgot um, about that. And so yeah, it, it's good. The other thing I will say. I, I agree, Case. They've done a really good job with drafting and developing. For so long, the problem has been getting guys to commit financially long-term. But that is something that I think is really starting to turn around. Rowenski stayed. Merzlikens has stuck around. And the next one is Patrick Laine. And I think there's a good chance that he does. He seems like a different player this year and just seems more energized. He cares more. and you guys are right. They're having a lot of fun right now. So I, I like the future for the Blue Jackets. Yeah, someone they need to keep around is the fifth line. Have you watched any Columbus games? Those fans are friggin' insane. They have the highest in attendance in the league, I'm pretty sure. They had the highest in one single game. I know that. It was way above capacity. I guess people were sitting on a, their significant other's laps or something or their brother's laps i don't know what they do in columbus but it's <laughs> but like oh my god the fifth line that's what they call him yeah. i think and well, the yeah. cannon is incredible like when the it, cannon goes off it's it's, nice. it's it's awesome it's thomas awesome. may not be exactly where nhl players want to live but to play there it's got to be yeah. pretty fun 
I, I, I think they're just – they're a really – they treat their people really well in their organization, and they treat their fans really well. And uh, just quickly before we wrap up on, on Columbus, other than, of course, Owen Power going to the Sabres last year in that draft, my next favorite moment was when they brought up a season ticket holder, a longtime season ticket holder, to announce one of the first-round picks. What a way to reward a fan who has supported the team for a long time. I think that's awesome. So I wanted yeah. to mention that when you guys brought up the fifth line. Yeah, it's great. That's cool. pretty cool. All right, there we go. Revisiting our uh, Metropolitan Division rankings. Of course, we were we were on on or we were off on some. We were close on some, uh, but that's the Metropolitan Division for you. And next week we'll finish it off with the Atlantic Division, episode one twenty one. So looking forward to that, guys. Uh, thanks for this, and thanks to our listeners for for listening as always. And uh, have yourselves a great week. This has been another episode of Boys in the Booth with Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. New episodes every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Connect with the Boys in the Booth on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Boys in the Booth. Visit boysinthebooth.com for show details. And don't forget, you can become a patron of the podcast for just $1 a month at www.patron.com slash boysinthebooth.